Hi, and welcome to the iPhone Life podcast. I'm Donna Cleveland, Editor-in-Chief at iPhone Life. And I'm David Aberbach, CEO and publisher. We're recording this podcast right after Apple held its October 13th iPhone 12 event. And so we're going to unpack for you everything that Apple announced, and we're also going to give you some buying recommendations for all the products that were released today. So let's jump right into it. But first, we have a sponsor to share with you. Yeah, so today's sponsor is Phone Soap. I love my Phone Soap. They actually, in addition to being a sponsor, are in our upcoming buyer's guide as one of the iPhone essential products. The reason being how it works is it's essentially a little uh, tanning bed for your phone. And what it does is you stick it in there. I have the Phone Soap Pro, and in five minutes, it kills viruses and bacteria on your phone. And I do not need to tell everybody why you might wanna kill viruses and bacteria in your phone right now. And even outside of coronavirus, fun fact, your phone is dirtier than a toilet. Uh, so it's a really great product. And I also, in addition to doing it for my phone, you can put most things in there, most small things. So like I'll do it with my um, AirPods, I'll do it with my keys, I do it with my mask. Uh, it's just a really nice product to have around. There's a lot of competitors that are coming out these days with sort of half-baked products. Phone Soap's been around for years and years. Their product is scientifically backed. Uh, and they have a lot of really nice little touches that I've appreciated since I've been using it. Um, for example, it has a section so you, you can actually put a cord in there if you want to just keep your phone there in their phone soap overnight you can still charge it it has an audio section or it has a compartment for audio so you could actually play audio through your uh while your phone is in there so lots of great features uh check it out at phonesoap.com or we'll link to it in our show notes at iphonelife.com podcast so many of you have been waiting for this day for a long time apple usually as you all know releases iPhones in September at its September event. And so we were all a little taken aback, even though we knew there were likely going to be coronavirus delays. We we're still a little surprised that we didn't hear anything about the new iPhones at Apple's September event. We just got Apple Watches and iPads. So now we finally have the new iPhones and it was worth the wait. We have four new models instead of Apple's usual three new models. And we also got a new HomePod. So we're gonna talk about all of these devices, share our biggest takeaways, biggest surprises, release dates, prices, all of that for you. And then we're also gonna share some buying recommendations, what products we think would be right and a good choice depending on the situation that you're in. Um, so first let's talk about the new HomePod. David, you've been really excited about this. Oh, we have a special guest I forgot special to guest. announce. This is Popcorn, who is about to be leaving actually. <laughs> That is a really cute kitten. I'm not even a cat person, I'm not gonna lie, but that's a really cute cat. <laughs> um, so we, we've been waiting for a new HomePod for a long time. For those of you listening who aren't aware of what the HomePod is, which probably a lot of you would be in this category because it's one of Apple's like least hyped products, the HomePod is Apple's smart speaker. And um, when Apple released it, I think it was around three years ago, right? Yeah, give or take give or take three or four years ago. Um, it was priced at $350. Uh, last year, they brought it down to $299, but it's a pretty expensive speaker. And mm -hmm. now this new one is called the HomePod Mini, and it's $100. So David, why are you so excited about the HomePod? 
Well, I'm excited about this for a couple reasons. Um, first of all, it's particularly expensive when compared to Amazon's Alexa line, uh, the Amazon Echo. Uh, and Amazon Echo has a premium version that's competitive with HomePod, but they also have a range of speakers that are cheaper because smart speakers do a couple things. They're good for listening to music and you some people want premium speakers for that, but they also are used uh, as a way of interacting with Alexa or in this case, Siri. So for me, I have a smart home and so I use Siri to control a lot of things around my house. And when I'm in my room where I have my HomePod, it's so convenient just to be able to talk to my HomePod as opposed to talk to have to carry my phone around and, and just like pull out Siri every time. So this is a way of you can it, you can have them around your house. And so you can use them to interact with uh, Siri to A, control your HomePod, B, just do day-to-day -day interactions with Siri, like text messages, things like that. Uh, and it's cheap enough where it's at least more doable. Nobody was gonna spend $300 per room for a HomePod. I think it's a little bit tricky because $99 is still expensive, but it definitely puts it in the realm where you could put them in key rooms in your house and it could actually start being used for the smart functionality, not just as a speaker. I guess one thing I wonder with that is why not just use your phone for all the Siri commands you want to make? Are there any commands that the HomePod does better or anything like that? So there's a couple reasons for this. First of all is sort of just the first world problem of it being inconvenient to pull your phone out of your pocket. Um, or I don't always have my phone on me. You know, if I'm just walking through the house, I don't always have it on me. The second reason though, and this is the major innovation that they added this time around, in my opinion, in addition to the smart home being smaller or the smart speaker being smaller, it can recognize voices. So I have a smart home that's controlled by Siri, but that means we literally had a guest staying at our home and they couldn't turn on our lights. It, it got rough. Um, so having a smart speaker that anybody could interact with yet because it recognizes voices it won't uh there's no privacy risk there because before this new speaker came out you could send text messages and things like that but there was no voice recognition which meant anybody in the room could either check my text messages or send a text message on my behalf um, so this allows sort of HomePods, in my opinion, are to be used by a family or to be used by anybody in the house. And this allows that functionality in a way that just was not there before. So a guest in your home could not check your text messages, but you could set up like a user, a guest user for them so that they can turn on and off the lights and things like that using voice commands. The, the guest use case is actually probably a little bit uh, to be determined. I didn't hear a lot about how to handle guests, but certainly my eight-year-old stepson could now turn <laughs> on the lights uh, without needing a phone or um, anybody in the room could do it. Uh, you don't need to have your phone on you. And that's both nice for uh, people if you don't happen to have your phone or if you don't own a phone, it, it, it adds a lot of extra functionality. Cool. Yeah. I'm excited about the HomePod mini I didn't buy the original HomePod, um, besides the one we have for the company that I've played with a little bit, but just because the, the price was so high, and I also do have an Amazon Alexa, which I like, but in general, I've really bought into the Apple ecosystem over time and really appreciate just the integration of everything across all of my devices. And so mm -hmm. I just, what my guess is that I would feel the same about the HomePod mini and at $99, it, it's just not as big of an investment, so it seems worth buying to play with. 
also it seems like a great like I I already have a couple people on my Christmas list that I think that this would make a great gift for and um, $99 it's like still you know it's going to be close family or friends but it's in that right price range for a gift yeah absolutely yeah so a couple other points on that I actually think that the HomePod is one of the Apple's more underrated products a lot of people don't even know it exists um, and it kind of gets uh, poorly reviewed relative to the Alexa because uh, Amazon Echo's line that has Alexa built in has third-party apps. They call them skills. And there's like, I don't know, probably hundreds of thousands of them at this point. And so Apple's kind of behind in terms of that functionality. But I have both an Amazon Echo and the HomePod. And I find A, the HomePod is much easier to use than the Echo. And B, the integration with Siri, because so many of my products are Apple products, is just so much better and makes it it's so much more user-friendly for me for that reason as well. Um, also, Apple did just add something pretty major. I think it came out with iOS 14, so it's been out already, but HomePods can now search the web because that was a major functionality hole that was missing where Alexa and Google Home could search the web, but HomePods could not. Um, so that kind of gets it caught up. You add that, you couple that with the cheaper price point. And yeah, I think it's a pretty compelling product because it's a low investment. And if you're somebody who primarily has Apple products in your home, it's, uh, you're going to like the integrations with the ecosystem. There was a new feature also that I wanted to talk about for the HomePod pod called Intercom uh, mm-hmm. that was announced today. And that seemed like an, a good new family feature that allows you to communicate with other devices in your family through your HomePod, including your CarPlay system, if you have CarPlay in your vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of our one of our coworkers who has a pretty big family was really excited about this feature because it could be a way if you're trying to get all the kids out the door, you can wrangle them by, you know, saying through the HomePod, time to go, you have five minutes or something <laughs> like that. And everybody's device in the family gets a notification letting them know that. Um, or you can queue up your Apple Maps, I think it was, through your HomePod so that when you go to CarPlay, your your um, route is all figured out for you. And so there's just some like new nice integrations between your different devices, which just side note, I have a CarPlay system, which I love. Another example of it is really nice, just having like Apple software on everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I do think this all ties into the cheaper price because intercom functionality would be pretty useless at a $300 speaker because how many of them are you going to have in your home? Most of us don't want to spend $300 per room. But if you are willing to invest in having a few of these around your house, then intercom functionality is pretty nice. You could, you know, have one in your kid's room and say, hey, time to come downstairs and you don't have to be screaming back and forth, which anybody who has kids knows that's like a daily struggle. Um, I think, Yeah, the example no- I gave though, like, because, like, in the Apple announcement, they gave the example of people talking between different HomePods, but they did also in passing mention that it sends notifications to your phones too. So you could just have one HomePod and still use intercom. It's not going to like talk through your phone to you, but it'll give you a notification of what whoever said through intercom. Yeah. And it remains to be seen how much people use it. I think Noah, who's our COO, was particularly excited about it. 
Uh, I have some Echoes in my home, so which have this intercom functionality, and not only do I not use it very much, it kind of can drive me nuts because my eight-year-old stepson does like using it, and suddenly he'll just be like, he's discovered that even when he's not home, he can use his phone to start talking to us through our thermostat. So he will <laughs> just start talking to us in the living room through our thermostat. Um, so I'm it's, sorry, but that's really cute. It's Yeah, it's cute as long as it doesn't, like, you're not worried about your privacy from your own eight-year-old when he's not home. <laughs> that is creepy. Yeah. It's both cute and creepy. Um, yeah. I, I know what you're saying. It reminds me a little bit of, like, when Apple added the walkie-talkie feature to the Apple Watch, yeah, where it's also, exactly. it just feels a little bit like they're trying to bring back some sort of, like, retro features that someone would get excited about. Like, be, But really, it's not as practical as just regular calling and texting. Well, and, and even more so, it's like I'm trying to imagine a scenario where I'm ta- asking Siri to use an intercom instead of just saying, hey, Israel, you know, like <laughs> I'm just going to yell in my home anyway. As much as I wish I weren't, I'm going to. So I, I'm skeptical that I will use it, but maybe some people are less yellers and they will use it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that remains to be seen. But yeah, I think the big point here is just it's, you know, we haven't had hands-on reviews yet, so we can't speak to the sound quality that much, but they spend a lot of time talking about it, and the original HomePod has great sound quality. So I think most likely it'll be like the convenience of using Siri across devices, pretty good sound quality, and a low price point all make the HomePod mini pretty compelling. Yeah, I think so. And I, I tend to trust Apple and sound quality because the HomePod has such great sound quality to begin with. That being said, part of me wishes they didn't try to kind of be all things to all people and, and instead go more the um, Amazon Echo Dot route. Because the Echo Dot, I think it's like $30 or something to the point yeah. where it's a kind of a no-brainer to sprinkle around your home if you want to go the smart home route. Whereas at $99, yes, it's like a better speaker and probably a better product, but like it's still, you have to pause before really buying a number of them for your home. So I don't know. It, the sound quality does matter a lot for $99, where had they just gone and said, we don't care about sound quality and charged $30, I think I might have been even more interested, to be honest. Yeah, I'm just looking at the Echo Dot fourth generation right now on Amazon is 50 bucks, but yeah. there it are is Prime ones Day you can too, get for so. 39 Yeah. yeah. Happy Prime Day, um, Donna. <laughs> thank you. Do you have any purchases you're planning? I have bought, I bought Tide Pods. This is the one thing I purchased for Prime Day. <laughs> oh, that's not a bad idea. Oh, release dates. Uh, the HomePod Mini, you can start pre-ordering on November 6th. And Mm -hmm. it'll be starting to ship on November 16th. Yeah, so coming soon. So are you convinced? Are you buying some? Um, I want to buy one for my dad. I'm wondering if he's going to be listening to this. I want to buy one for my dad as a holiday gift. He is obsessed with Apple products. He's such a fanboy. So I know he'll he'll love it. Um, I don't know whether I'm going to buy one for myself or not because I do have the Amazon Echo. It could be nice just to compare side by side, though, a bit more. Hmm. So I'm I'm on the fence about getting one for myself. I'm on the fence too, because I do have a couple Echoes around the house, which I, again, don't like as much, but am I willing to pay $99 per room to replace them? I might be. I might invest in one or two of them. I think if I just had one in the kitchen and one in the living room, I already have one upstairs, I'm pretty covered. So I'm tempted because I've invested so heavily in my smart home. 
Um, but it's definitely 99 is they priced it right in the sense that it gives you pause, but you'll probably do it if you're excited. <laughs> yeah. Can we make this our first right. question of the day? Will you be sure. buying a HomePod? If so, why? If not, why not? Email us at podcast at iphonelife.com to let us know. And before we get into the iPhones, which we have mm -hmm. four new iPhones to cover, I wanted just to take a minute to talk about the promotions we have going on because right now is the best time to become an iPhone Life Insider. And I wanted to tell you why. If you go to iphonelife.com slash podcast discount right now, you can get 50% off your subscription to our educational platform that teaches you how to get the most out of your iPhone. And right out of the gate, we have an iOS 14 guide for you that has video tutorials and a step-by-step -step, um, instructions via PDF that tell you how to use all the new features that are coming out on your iPhone right now. Um, so really, this is our most popular guide of the year. People love you know, getting caught up on all the new features right now, but we also are updating all of our other content. We have a messages guide, a FaceTime guide, iPad guide, uh, and we're coming out with a photography guide soon. So we have everything you need to really master your devices. And you also get to come and hang out with us in live classes. <laughs> um, we have a digital archive of our magazine, an ask feature, which means that you can contact our experts anytime you're having tech issues and we help you find a solution. So really, we take care of all of your Apple tech needs um, when you sign up at iphonelife.com slash podcast discount. Yeah, a couple of things coming up. Uh, I already referenced our buyer's guide. So we have a buyer's guide coming out in a couple weeks, really. Uh, and that'll have all of the best t holiday tech, both gifts for other people and just uh, iPhone-related gear that you might enjoy yourself. So that's coming out. That's included. Uh, and just to echo what Donna said, because this is my new sales pitch to those of you listening to this podcast. If you're ever listening and you think, hey, what you just said, I have a question about that. Well, that's what the classes are for, because Donna and I host them, and you can come and ask us whatever questions you want. And we will, A, walk you through in-depth how to use your phone, whether it's iOS 14, iPad OS 14, or we have a bunch of courses coming up. Uh, and you can ask us all the questions you like. That's right. All right. So now let's get back to our event coverage. I know everybody's waiting to hear about the new iPhones. Probably a lot of you are wondering if you're going to be upgrading this uh, fall into the holiday season. So we're going to go over all of the new iPhones, what's special and different about each one, uh, and then talk about what our buying recommendations are. We'll also give you the release dates and the prices and all of that. So mm -hmm. in the past, we've gotten three new iPhone models usually in the fall, but this year we have four. So there, you can break them into two categories. There's two but more budget products and then two uh, high-end iPhones. So let's start talking about the budget ones first. What do you think? Sure. I was just going to say, I've been doing this long enough to remember when you used to get one iPhone and that was that. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't that long ago. They've really expanded their line. But yeah, let's talk. Let's yeah. start with the budget iPhone, the iPhone mini, uh, iPhone 12 mini, uh, which is the budgetist of the iPhones. <laughs> uh, and it's the line is interesting this year. Apple sort of changed the way they handle it a little bit because the difference between the mini iPhone 12 mini and the iPhone 12, you almost want to talk about them together because the only difference is the size. Uh, 
And so the difference in screen size, do you have that spec up in front of you? Yes. So we've got um, the iPhone 12 mini has a 5.4 inch display. And the mm-hmm. iPhone, if you know, for reference, the iPhone 11 Pro, which is the one I have, is 5.8 inches. So it's mm-hmm. a little bit bigger. And this, the iPhone 11 Pro, I think, is a really nice, like, fits in your hand size. Um, but actually having it a little bit smaller seems appealing to me um, because the new, the iPhone 12 line all has flat edges, which I don't know if we mentioned that yet. They're kind of going back to an older form factor, like the original iPhone SE or even the iPhone 4. But it allows the um, display to go even further out to the edge. So they're able to fit a larger screen into a smaller phone. Um, and so this phone is pretty pretty small and um, and it's not as small as the original iPhone SE, but like it's still, for people who like small displays, this is a really good option. And I know basically from like the different users I've interacted with, there's a very enthusiastic group of people who love smaller displays. <laughs> yeah, one thing that's interesting about it is to me, this represents the death of the home, uh, home button uh, because mm. there were two groups of people that liked the iPhone SE. There were the people who liked small displays. And I think that's probably the majority of them, but there was a group of people that really liked the home button and were sad to see it go and it gone. Uh, it, you know, so it's in some ways, to me, it represents a much nicer phone for that reason because I love the edge-to-edge display. And the other interesting thing that Apple did is they have OLED displays across the line now. So the budget phone has an OLED display. And Don and I have talked about this for a while. We love the OLED display and would usually don't recommend people getting phones that don't have an OLED display. That is no longer a trade-off you have to deal with. You can get the cheapest new iPhone and it's still going to have an OLED display. Yeah, and that's one thing I really appreciated about this mini line is, like you said, there aren't many trade-offs. Like, we're going to get into the high-end models uh, in a few minutes, and there are some pro, there are some premium features that you're missing out on with the mini, but there's a lot in the mini this time. And also, Mm -hmm. so basically the iPhone 12, um, which is 6.1 inches, um, the display is 6.1 inches, so it's a bit larger than the 11 and 11, or than the 11 Pro. Um, but it has the exact same features. And so maybe we should go over what what sort of like the baseline features you get in both the budget and the high-end ones. And then later we'll talk about just the premium features. So yeah, as David said, they all get the OLED displays. Uh-huh. They all have 5G capabilities. And so that's, Which you know, Apple, deal. of course, talked about that a lot because that's probably the most notable feature in the new iPhone 12 series. Um, so yeah, let's talk about 5G for a minute. Yeah. I mean, 5G is interesting because we, we talked about it kind of in the rumor roundup leading up. We all knew who was coming. If you live in a city that supports 5G, I think that you have to upgrade. Like it's just going to be such a better user experience that I think it's going to really be a no brainer to upgrade. If you live in a city, if you live in a rural area that doesn't support 5G, it's a moot point, and it really doesn't matter. Um, but I I mean, they were talking about, what was it? It was like four gigabyte per second download speeds. Yeah, it was um, pretty impressive. I mean, really, if you think about the improvements when we went from having a 3G to 4G network, and they're talking about like this being an even more significant upgrade, yeah. it sounds like it's going to be, I mean, I remember noticing hugely like what a difference that made. And so it is pretty exciting to think about 
how um, fast our phones will be and like improvements in latency too. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, they gave an example of this NFL app that would show you like seven views, video views of a game streaming all at once and that they're able to do things like that a lot, um, a lot more effectively with 5G. And also like gaming, they're showing some different, um, you know, multiplayer gaming that you could do that would have super low latency as well. It just sort of tips the scale a little bit in the sense that up until now, in my opinion, LTE was probably slower than most people's Wi-Fi. So if you needed to do something that required fast Wi-Fi, you would go default to to a Wi-Fi network or a computer. Whereas now, I think that 5G is going to end up being, at least if you're in a major city, faster than most people's home Wi-Fi. And so you're going to end up just using 5G for everything. And it's going to be great. I mean, it just, oh, anywhere you are in the city, you can instantly just start downloading a movie or do anything that requires a lot of data really quickly. Um, so for gaming, but also just for, you know, the ability to access information instantly, as opposed to even waiting a second or two really makes a big difference in your day-to-day life and your willingness to like access that data quickly. Yeah, it's it's pretty exciting. Like David and I, we live in Iowa in a smaller area <laughs> town. So for us, there's less of an immediate benefit because we won't have that. But, um, you know, the different carriers have been rolling out networks um, to larger cities and have been building the infrastructure for that. So for a lot of people, it pro- immediately will make a big difference. I think so. Um, and then so the other major upgrade that's across the board is the uh, A14 Bionic chip. So we're switching from mm-hmm. the A13 chip to the A14 Bionic chip. And this is one of those things where I'm not tech savvy enough to really understand the fundamentals of what changed. I'm sort of taking Apple's word for it, but it did seem particularly impressive for a chip. They were talking about five nanometer technology. Um, I think you're going to see a major increase across the board as far as speed goes. And again, this is the interesting thing. Same chip across the entire line. So you, Apple typically saves, in my opinion, a lot more features just for the premium phone. And in this case, they're, they're really applying a lot of these upgrades across the board yeah it's true and um the only other change and this isn't really one that's that notable but they do have some new color options Mm. you can get uh the iphone 12 and iphone 12 mini in like a navy red white green and am i missing any there were five colors (laughs) there were five colors i didn't catch what you said sorry (laughs) yeah they um but I liked the green and the blue options. Not that it's um, like that. Yeah, but. I was just going to ask. So you, because I thought that the colors on the iPhone 12 and 12 mini were kind of ugly. You were, you didn't mind them. You really? liked them. Yeah, no, I, I liked the blue. I'm not really into the red one personally, um, but that's just me. But I, I thought mm-hmm. the blue and the green ones were nice. They were fine. I don't know. They looked to me like a cheaper phone than the iPhone 11 Pro. Like the the materials just seemed less exciting to me. They did, however, add what they're calling ceramic shield front, which is, I guess, a new type of glass, which is four times, offers four times the drop protection. And that I thought was cool. I think that one slipped by a lot of people, but 
more drop i i dream of the day where i don't have to have a case on my phone anymore oh, so wasn't that think, on the just the high ends ones no nope it's across i'm looking at it right now it's across oh. the whole line yeah four um, times the drop a, protection that's a that's significant it, it's a cr- now what i'm unclear of is that on the front and the back or just the front um because if it's on just the front the pro at least has a glass back and then i'm using a case anyway yeah, and then the MagSafe technology, was that across oh, yeah. all the devices? That, that was across that, all of it. Yeah. yeah, so that's a new, that's another development that um, that we think is pretty cool, actually, and that, that there's magnets actually built into the phones now that pair really well with a lot of different um, accessories. So that includes Apple's coming out with a charger system that it will mm-hmm. help you line up your phone and your Apple Watch more easily to be able to charge on, uh, use wireless charging mats from Apple. Um, it'll also make it possible to pair with different accessories like a car mount that is magnetic or um, a different dock that's magnetic. Um, they had some different examples of things like that. And uh, I think especially for wireless charging, I've had a lot of frustration around placing it on the mat and not placing it like right in the exact position and therefore hours later my phone didn't charge when I really needed it to so I'm, yeah. I think this will be a nice solution for that and also I have a few accessories um, that require magnets and you have to like stick a sticky magnet onto the back of your iPhone put your case over it and then use it and it looks bad <laughs> So this will be a good solution for that. Although we still have some questions around like, will it be compatible with other magnetic accessories for the iPhone or will Apple be jerks and make it so that it doesn't work? <laughs> yeah, so a, cu- a couple of thoughts on this. First of all, I have the same problem as you where probably about 10% of the time, I just won't quite, maybe even 20%, I won't quite line my phone up right on my wireless charger and I'll wake up in the morning and my phone's dead. And it's just so frustrating when that happens because then you need to go about your day and you don't have a phone. So I I agree the magnets for that. Also, yeah, like you're saying, I have the same issue where I have, I've always been tempted. There's a bunch of proprietary lines of magnetic mounting solutions. Uh, Skosh, for example, has one and there's a bunch of companies that do it. And I've been tempted by it. But the problem up until now is if you do that, you kind of have to go all in on one company and have those uh, all everywhere from your car to ev- to the different rooms in your house. Uh, and also you had to like have a little s- magnet that you like glue to your phone, which looked terrible and got bulky. So this potentially I think is going to be cool because it's going to give you the best of both worlds. With the magnet built into the phone, I think at least forward looking, I agree. I don't know that this will be backward compatible, but moving forward, I think you'll be able to use any third-party accessory that has a magnetic mounting system. I think they'll all be universal for this system and you won't have to glue anything to your phone and you can have, you don't have to go all in on one system. So you could, for example, have like Skosh in your house and have a different company in your car. Um, And the magnets are not just cool for lining up, especially for docking, they're really nice. Like you can just, I'm assuming these will work the same way, you just stick it to your car and it just sticks there and charges while it's there. So I'm, I think it's going to be pretty cool. Yeah, so I think it would be good just to summarize. Those are the main features of yeah. the iPhone 12 and the 12 mini. So you get the smaller display with the iPhone 12 mini, if that's what you go for. Otherwise, you get a standard 6.1-inch display. That's sort of Apple's like standard size these days if you go for the iPhone 12. 
You get the flat edge design for all of them. You get color options of blue, green, black, white, and red. Uh, you get the um, MagSafe technology in there, 5G support. That's the biggest one, really. And you get the OLED display, which David mm-hmm. and I think alone is a really exciting feature and one, one to really consider it for. So the iPhone 12 mini, you won't be able to order until pre-orders of that start November 6th, whereas the iPhone 12, you can start ordering um, on this Friday, on the 16th, and it'll start shipping on October 23rd. So the iPhone 12, you can get sooner. Um, which I do want to make one quick point before we move on to the Pro, uh, which oh, is we that... Oh, talk about prices, too. Y- oh, yeah, thank you. So, okay. Um, the prices, the iPhone 12 mini starts at 699 and the iPhone 12 starts at 799 And the mm-hmm. default for that is 64 gigabytes of storage. So pretty good, better than what used to be like 8 gigabytes of storage, but still for some people might not be enough. And we'll get into that with the Pro line. But the one point I wanted to make before we moved on was the iPhone 12 is 6.1 inches, but... They're fitting it into what it they, they said was essentially the same form factor as the iPhone 11 Pro, which is, what, 5.8 inches? Yeah. So they basically have a, a less bezel, more edge-to-edge display. So you end up with more screen, less kind of awkward black band around it. So that's a nice feature, too, because you, you kind of can have your cake and eat it, too, where you have the smaller form factor with a slightly bigger screen. Yeah. This is funny. I just see a text from my dad. Saw just watched the Apple show. Looks awesome. I like the HomePod Mini. <laughs> so basically, I'm gonna have to try to like convince him not to buy the HomePod Mini so that I can surprise him with it for the holidays. Yeah, yeah. I'm you, <laughs> you, and everyone else. <laughs> okay, yeah. so let's talk about the Pro. Okay, so um, the the Pro we we. You shared the price, good. So we've got the price and the order dates going for yes. those. Um, so now we're gonna talk about the high-end phones. The Pro and the Pro Max, I guess we can differentiate the screen size first. The Pro is also 6.1 inches, so it's the same deal mm-hmm. display size-wise. It's also an OLED display. The Pro Max is 6.7 inches, which to me seems ridiculous. <laughs> But that's just because, I mean, to me, that's like verging on like iPads, iPad mini. But again, they're fitting in the same form factor as the Max was before. So like, to me, the only thing, like I want as large of a screen as I can get. The problem is I have to carry this thing in my pocket. So if they can make a screen bigger, but not impact the form factor, I'm all for that. But again, the the Max form factor was always questionably too big, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, I still find the just in general the Max phone lines to be bigger than I than I would want to have for the most part. Mm. Um, I don't know. I actually I, I'm undecided right now on what phone I'm going to get, but we'll get back to that later yeah. on. So talking about the Pro and the Pro Max, the features that sep- separate it. I mean, the camera was really the biggest thing. The camera's, I think, the only thing. That's what's yeah. tricky, is normally the there's only, a lot more. The Pro and the Pro Max, the only difference between those is the display size and that the Pro Max has a better battery life. Because it's bigger, they can fit a bigger battery in there, and it has a 20-hour battery life as opposed mm-hmm. to, what, 17 or 18 17, hours? 17, yeah. And it is worth noting the that the Mini, by the same logic, because it's the smallest, has a 15-hour battery life, so it's a little bit shorter battery life. 
Yeah, that's actually kind of a big deal for me. Yeah, I mean, my phone's dying constantly right now, so I'm really unhappy. <laughs> it makes me, it sways me against wanting to get the Pro Mint, the um, 12 Mini. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's get through this camera and then we'll get yeah. into buyer's, uh, buyer's recommendation. So essentially the only difference between the Pro line and the iPhone line, they just, they don't have the standard line. They don't have a name for it, uh, is the camera. So the camera on the Pro line, first of all, it has three cameras similar to the iPhone 11 Pro. So you have your ultra wide, your wide and your telephoto. So it allows you to go, um, from super zoomed in to super zoomed out and somewhere in the middle. And this year they've actually changed it so that it, uh, the iPhone 11 Pro has a 2X zoom. Now we're up to two and a half times zoom. So you're a little bit more zoomed in, which gives you a total of 5X range in terms of your ability to either zoom in or zoom out. Uh, Without losing resolution. Yeah, thank you. Which is optical instead of digital. Because digital zoom, if you zoom in beyond what what the lens allows you to do, is basically just making the pixels larger and you lose resolution. Um, So this is significant. I think that's very significant. Like already the two times optical zoom made a big difference. But being able to zoom in five times without losing resolution is is pretty amazing well okay but again it's it's not it's it's two and a half x so the five go is from the the distance between the wide angle and the telephoto uh so oh, okay. the, it, the difference is only a 0.5 so you went from oh, two okay. to two and a half yeah. i was like wow they really glossed over that that's a really big difference now yeah but that's still yeah. a good two and a half is better than two but um i've been enjoying on the 11 pro but i do use the zoom more than I ever used to, just because I, Rayanne, who's the good photographer at our office, was telling me before that, like, never use the zoom, just get closer to your subject. Yeah. But yeah. being able to zoom in more um, is better. The telephoto lens, um, that I was really excited about, because David, we're, I assume you would be too, since you're a fan of portrait mode. Yeah, I am excited about it. Um, the combination of the telephoto lens and the other major difference is it has LiDAR sensor. Um, and basically, a LiDAR sensor is traditionally used for augmented reality. It, it's like it scans your room and gets a three-dimensional feel of it uh, or three-dimensional map of it. But in this case, one of the primary uses is to allow you to take better photos. And so it uses that sensor to have better uh, portrait mode. Uh, which again, as Donna's saying, I love the portrait mode on my iPhone. I use it a lot. And so the fact that it can do that better, it also uses it for focus. So it allows you, the autofocus is a lot faster on this phone. Um, they rattled off a bunch of different reasons it was better, better low light. Uh, mm-hmm. am, I, am I missing things? They, they went fast. Yeah, for night mode, I think they're like, I've noticed with night mode, I haven't been that happy with it, to be honest. That's a feature yeah. that came out last year. That's all about low light photography. Part of the problem is um, in the low light, it was taking a long time to focus and um, it was just kind of hard to use. And so they announced some new improvements with that, like being able to um, focus your shots in night mode a lot faster. And then my understanding with tele- the telephoto lens is that it's improved. Like we already have had the telephoto lens, but that it would improve your range in portrait mode. If you've noticed in portrait mode, it's always telling you to walk closer or further away oh, from yeah. your subject. And it's like a small range where it works. Yeah. And that and the I'm telephoto range now can, can, can let you 
use this feature um, from further away, which for those of you listening who aren't familiar with portrait mode, it lets you focus on your subject and will blur the foreground and background. And so it's a great feature, but when it doesn't, it's not that accurate and you're like blurring someone's hair or, you know, bleeding onto their shirt or things like that, it can quickly become useless if it's not doing it well. So the fact that they're working on impro- and it, it, it is far from perfect, even though I like it. So I think that uh-huh. that alone makes me want to get one of the premium phones um, yeah. for that improved so, camera. A couple, I just, I want to make one other point about the camera functionality and that's, I want to talk about night mode for a second. Night Mm -hmm. mode was something that was added in iOS 13 and it's a really amazing technology that basically uses um, artificial intelligence to enhance a photo so that you don't need a flash, but you can take photos in low light Uh, and it works really well. It's shock. It works shockingly well And, and Google has a similar technology, so it's not just Apple. Um, and so in this round, night, night mode used to only be available for the iPhone 11 Pro. In this case, all of the iPhones have night mode, which is cool. But night mode for the Pro line is going to be better because A, it's using LiDAR to, to even have an even better photo. Also, I'm just reading this now, night mode uh, on the uh, 12 Pro, you can do a night mode portrait, which is crazy. Hmm. Um, but I, I, do you use night mode much? I, I find, I don't realize that I'm using it very much, but what I find is I almost never use my flash anymore. Like I almost never use it. And I think it's cause I'm actually using night mode quite a bit in those low light scenarios and just not even really noticing it. Yeah. Because it does enable it automatically. I'm in the same boat, but yeah, I'm happy they're adding improvements to it. I'll put it that way because I I was I got really excited about it and I found that a lot of my night photography still looks pretty dark and like the way that Apple seems to bring out the light in it is to make it turn really orangey red. Yeah, yeah. I um, think I'm so overselling I'm it. It's definitely like it's an improvement, but a limited improvement. But in my opinion, flashes just ruin most photos. And they so... Do. Uh, being able to take low light photography is really nice. And so I'm, I already feel like we had an improvement with night mode, but I think this time around they, they'd spent a while talking about it and I'm hoping that we see an even larger improvement also. And this is across the line. They added night mode on the front facing camera. So now you can have night mode, night mode selfies, night mode selfies and night mode portraits. It sounds like, yeah. Okay, so, so I think I think that basically summarizes the difference because other than that, it's the same phone. It just has a nicer camera, has the same well, one processor. Thing, we Go didn't ahead. get to the video. Oh, features. thanks. Yeah, I just yeah, dismiss it because I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, Apple like now you can shoot video using Dolby. Um, what was it? Dolby. Uh, Dolby Vision HDR video. Okay, thank you. Yes, and so they they were showing really amazing demos of like how great the 4K video looks, and you can now edit on these videos on your iPhone as well. And um, because of the greater processing power and 5G, it's it's faster to edit and to share. And so they were really hyping it up as like you know you could use this professionally to create professional videos and you know, a lot of professionals are going to be using DSLR cameras and the iPhone's not going to compare. But for a lot of people who are maybe amateurs, but are wanting or just wanting to take better 
um, family photos, I still think it's a, it seems like a great option. And it shoots in 60 frames per second, which is, I think, part of it, as opposed to uh, the iPhone 12, which shoots in 30 frames per second, which is standard. So you're going to end up with a richer uh, video because of that. Yeah, so I think that was the photo and the camera, the wow, camera and video features were the biggest improvements. And now just for prices and release dates, they also didn't raise the price, which already mm-hmm. the phones are really expensive. So <laughs> <laughs> that's not that exciting. But like the rumors I'd read thought that they would bump it up at least by like $100 and they didn't do that, which yeah. I wonder, what do you make of that, David? Do you think it's because of the pandemic and that that wouldn't fly right now? Um. Yeah, I. if you remember when we were talking about the rumors, I was throwing water on the idea of them raising the price uh, just because they raised the price last time around. And $9.99 is, in my opinion, a ceiling. Like if you charge more than $1,000, you're sort of psychologically entering into a whole new tier of pricing. And I think they just didn't want to go there, especially during the pandemic. But one of the interesting things with pricing, so we have the iPhone 12 Pro for $9.99 and the iPhone 12 for $7.99. So we're talking about a $200 difference. But the iPhone 12 Pro starts at 128 gigabytes uh, storage, whereas the iPhone 12 starts at 64 gigabytes. So if you want to go up to uh, the 128 gigabytes and compare apples to apples, it's, I think I'm just loading it now as we talk. It's 879 I believe. So it's only more or less a $100 difference to get. If you, if you want 128 gigabytes of storage, it's only a $100 difference to get the Pro phone. So not, it's interesting pricing structure in that normally they have a bigger difference between the Pro line and the, um, and the normal line, both in terms of the feature set, but also in terms of price. Whereas here, Mm. each step is sort of an incremental step up, both in terms of feature set and price, which kind of, in my opinion, I, uh, um, well, let's, let's, I'll pause there. Let's talk about, let's do our buyer's guide. Okay. Well, the only price we didn't mention was the iPhone 12 Pro Max. That starts at 1099. Yes. And um, in terms of release dates for those, the, it's both the 12 and the 12 Pro you can pre-order starting this Friday, October 16th, and it ships October 23rd. And the Mini and the Max, you can't pre-order until November 6th, and they ship November 13th. Um, let me just double check those dates. Yeah, November 6th and November 13th. So if you want the really small one or the really big one, basically you have to wait a little longer. <laughs> um, okay, so now into the buyer's guide portion of it. I think that's a really good point that um, so with the more high end phones, the base models are 128 gigabytes, which having a phone with a lot of storage is a big deal. Like it's really it's really nice just to not have to worry about your photo and camera and video storage and downloading a bunch of apps and just not managing it all the time. So and I think to cut to the sort of the bottom line, I think part of why I'm bringing that up is I think personally I would get 128 gigabytes. I think 64 is manageable, but management being the operative word there. If you have 64 (laughs) gigabytes, you're going to constantly be trying to like push the limits of that, clear apps off your phone, delete videos. um, And so I think that I probably would opt for the 128 gigabytes of storage. And once I take that leap and I'm only $100 away from getting that much nicer camera, I feel like I'm going to go for the nicer camera. 
What are Although you what I, are you thinking? Say, I have the 64 gigabyte 11 Pro. Um, okay. So, and I actually, like, I have not had to worry about it at all. And right now I have, like, 48 gigabytes taken up. I think, like, if you are using iCloud Photo Library and you use the optimized storage feature, which just keeps smaller versions on your phone, uh, for the most part, that does take care of that pr- a problem. I think the time, the only time I've gotten into trouble is when I had, like, some setting wrong where I was downloading hundreds of podcasts onto my phone and it started creeping up there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so, yeah, I, I guess I have to manage a little bit. I have to manage how many podcasts are being downloaded. I have to optimize my photo library storage. But um, I actually think I, I fall into the camp of thinking 64 gigabytes is still a good, respectable amount of storage now that I'm realizing I have that and it hasn't been a problem for me. See, so I have uh, a... I have I the gonna, 256 gigabyte storage and whoa. I'm at, I'm using 114 of them. Why? <laughs> well, honestly, it's because of this exact reason. It's because I don't think about it. I could very easily clear off storage and probably get it down to 64 without too much effort. But I love not thinking about it. I hate and spending my valuable time figuring out how to delete apps on my phone and delete large files. It's just a waste of time. <laughs> I mean, I think so. what I would say is that if you're comfortable with 64 gigabytes, that would be the only way that I would recommend getting the iPhone 12 because I think you're right that if you're going to get a larger storage iPhone 12, then why in the world aren't you just getting an iPhone 12 Pro? Well, and this kind of brings me to my second argument for the Pro, and I'm sort of talking myself into it while we're talking here. Um, I'm just j- rationalizing my own expenses and you all get to hear it. No. <laughs> um, I personally think that the camera is an underappreciated feature. I hear a lot of people being like, well, I'm not a photographer, so I don't need it. I think that if you're an actual photographer, you're going to have an an SLR camera and you're not going to care about this, just to be honest. I mean, there's some exceptions to that, but I think that for actual professionals, they still will want to use a DSLR. But I use my camera on my phone as my only camera. I don't have an SLR. It I use it to document all of my memories, to take photos of my stepson, take photos of my new kitten who you all got to meet, I take photos of my vacations, and that's, those are my memories. I'm going to have them for years and years, and I like having it be a nicer quality photo. Whenever I'm at a family event, I always hand somebody my phone because I know it'll be a better photo. And I think it's worth $100 to me, and I think that people who claim not to be photographers should really second give that a second thought of, do you take photos of your friends and loved ones. Yeah, I mean, another point too is that I think that um, a lot of us are doing things like, you know, taking photos for your business or marketing or like, not everyone is doing this, but a lot of people might be in that role. Like you can use your iPhone for professional uses in a lot of situations now, or like there's social media, if you're managing social media for some sort of, personally or for a a business you might want to use your camera more often and you want to have like the best one um i think so let's go through starting with the mini up to Uh the the pro max and like talk about like what phone is like good for what type of buyer so i I think think, like the iphone 12 i think the iphone 12 mini i'm telling my husband that he should buy that because he has the (laughs) um the iphone 10 he hasn't upgraded since then okay so and his battery is starting to 
bother him. He never takes photos on his camera. Like, he hardly ever takes photos at all. And um, he likes having a smaller phone. So in that way, I'm kind of like, buy the cheaper one. It's going to be really fast. He uses it to like check sports scores. He uses it to for his trading business. And he doesn't need it to be big. So I feel yeah, like that's like I think, perfect. In a, in, I think the most no-brainer are like use case is for the mini because I think it's just a very specific type of person. It's somebody who wants a smaller phone because A, they don't care that much they don't need a larger screen and be they want in their pocket and most people kind of self-identify as that they either like like a larger screen or they don't and if they don't then of course you're going to get the smaller one um but yeah i think it i mean there's an interesting use case for each of these and i think that it's a really great value they packed all of the same features in this phone at a cheaper price and if you don't care about the the screen size which i do but if you don't and you don't care about the camera it's like a great value yeah and it's a, you get the nice screen quality mm-hmm. um i think the biggest thing it's like we again like we don't live in an area where he would be able to take advantage of the 5g so in that way it's not as optimal i think this is also a good uh, good phone for like students and stuff and kids um, yeah. I mean, they have like the, the colors do seem more targeted at like kids and teenagers. I do want to just quickly, though, even though we're sort of I, even though I said you, you'll probably self-identify as either liking a smaller screen or not. I think it's worth thinking through. Do you when you're doing kind of activities that require a little more heavy computing, do you tend to default to a computer or an iPad? or Are you trying to do those on an iPhone? Because that's where they lose me. I do enough things on my iPhone from sending emails to trying to figure out my calendar that the smaller form factor, the smaller screen does affect me and I don't, it bothers me. So if you are not sure one way or the other, in my opinion, it's so much nicer having a bigger screen that I think, I think it's worth $100 to get the nicer screen. But if you're somebody who very clearly likes small screens, which I think there's a case for it because they're more portable, then it's obvious. Yeah, it's a good point. Like, even though I was saying for my husband, maybe he should get the the mini for myself, especially as we're talking through the fact that it will really be the same size as the current iPhone 11 Pro, just with a bigger display, that I would probably opt for the 12 or the 12 Pro in that way, because mm-hmm. you're basically getting the same same size phone, bigger display, which is yeah. nice. Yeah. Um, okay, so next we'll talk about the 12. This, at, just to remind everyone, it's... Starts at 799, 64 gigabytes. It has the 5G and all that, but it doesn't have the good camera. Mm-hmm. Who do you think is a good, who should buy this? I mean, if I were, <laughs> I'm just such an enthusiast, which is why I go for the pro, but I think most people should buy it. I think that for most people, it's the best phone. And so I think that it still has a great camera but it's uh, not quite as, it's not the best camera, but I think most people are going to be really happy with this phone and they're going to be happy to have saved 200 bucks and they'll go 64 gigs. Like, it just depends on if you're somebody who really enjoys technology, in which case it's worth investing in, or if a phone's just sort of a functional thing and you'll sort of go the middle of the line and be happy. Yeah, I think that's a good summary. Um, I think that, if the mini was more universal in terms of the screen size appeal, I would say just do that because 
then you're saving $300 instead of $200. But I think it is for a lot of people, it would be a little uncomfortably small. So the 12 is probably like has the most mass appeal. Um, then with the 12 Pro, this is probably the one that I will buy. So for whatever that's worth, <laughs> I'll throw that in there because I feel pretty comfortable with the 11 Pro. I've been really liking the size of it. I am not an amazing photographer, but I like taking photos and preserving memories. Um, and for my own personal projects, like I have a podcast that I do social media for and stuff like that. And I want to have nice photos. So I want like all the help I can get in that way. Um, Cause it's also, it's like, if you're not a photographer, you can sort of fake it and look better than you are by using the nice new phone features. Like portrait mode can make you look like you know what you're doing, even when you don't. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think the 12 Pro is, um, is a good option for like power users who are into Apple enthusiasts who want all the latest and greatest features, but don't need an enormous screen. Yeah, I think just to kind of back up a little bit, I think with the 11s, I think the Pro was a no-brainer because of the OLED display. It really made that upgrade really obvious, in my opinion, if you could afford it. Uh, whereas this year, I don't think it's a no-brainer. I think that it's really a personal decision whether you get the Pro or the not Pro. My personal decision is I think that the camera is important and I will get it, uh, but it's not a no-brainer. But yeah, that's where I'm trending to is is the pro for the camera. Um, and it's kind of the same logic I was already backing into, which is if you take the leap that you need at least 128 gigabytes, and I think that most people do, unless you're somebody who wants to spend time managing these things, which I don't, uh, then I think that at that point, that $100 for the camera is pretty worth it. If you don't care about the storage, you're at 64 gigabytes, and also you aren't, you don't care that much about the camera, and then I think that the iPhone 12 is a perfectly good option for you. Yeah, I mean, for people who have older phones, I mean, some of the reasons that iPhone sales have slowed in the past few years is people are holding onto their phones for longer. So I'm trying to think if someone like hasn't gotten a new phone in three years or something, maybe even just getting the 12 will be a huge, huge jump in camera quality for them. Well, I, and I was getting ready to ask you actually something similar, which is if you have the 11 Pro, what would your buying recommendation be? Yeah, I mean, that's tricky because in some ways it's like maybe just hold on to your phone for another year. I don't know. I mean, actually, the only reason I would say that is if is because like for myself, I don't live somewhere where I can really make use of the 5G yet. So there isn't as strong of a reason to upgrade just alone there. But I definitely you're kind of forced into wanting to get the 12 Pro or the 12 Pro Max because I don't want to take a step backwards and lose my telephoto lens. Like I have the 11 Pro that has a telephoto lens. If you get the 12 or 12 mini, you just have wide and ultra wide. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I mean, cause I have the Pro and I think for my job, I'll, I'll get the new one because you know, we cover this so much, but I don't know with the 11 Pro whether I would upgrade because really, I, I mean, I'm talking about from the 11 Pro, you have the OLED display. So you're getting a nicer processor. You're getting the LiDAR. Is that worth it? You're getting a slightly nicer camera, but my camera's great, and it, it, it seemed like an incremental update from my camera. I think that if you if you invest in the 11 Pro, I don't know that I would upgrade if I were a typical consumer. 
Yeah, you also you have the OLED display already. So and like with the MagSafe technology, that's I think both with 5G and MagSafe, those are going to become more convenient over time as they're like 5G as the that becomes more universally available in different areas. And with MagSafe, as there's more accessories that it works with that are really super convenient. Mm -hmm. Um, So neither of those are that exciting. And the camera features, yes, they improve. They they improve features that are already there. So it's not like you're like getting anything really new. Yeah. Night mode's going to be better. Portrait mode's going to be better. I mean, that I I do feel, I would feel a pinch to miss out on that, but it's, yeah, probably for people with 11 Pro, I'd say, hold on another year. I Exactly, because you always get an incremental update. So next year, the processor will be that much better. And unless you're someone that buys a phone every year, it could be a, a year to skip it. Um, the major caveat, though, is, in my opinion, if you live in a big city. If you live in a big city that has 5G, I think you should just buy a new phone. Like, just go out and do it. You'll be happy. Because I, I think it's going to really make a big difference. I think people are underestimating the difference of having a faster phone, ha- having a faster internet connection makes. Yeah, I would agree with that. So finally, the last but not least, we have the iPhone 12 Pro Max. Oh, yeah. So who should buy the iPhone 12 Pro Max without... I think... I'll try to remove my bias against the huge displays. Okay, well, okay, a couple thoughts. First of all... I might buy it. So you can judge me all you want. I'm wow. thinking about it. <laughs> um, Explain I'm tempted by the Well, I'm tempted by the bigger screen. I find myself more and more these days, if I'm just lounging at home, being lazy and not grabbing my iPad. And then I'm kind of like last night, I was in bed watching Monday Night Football on, on my phone and I would have liked having a bigger screen. My main concern is will it fit into my pocket? comfortably because if so i don't care about like the bigger size is a benefit other than that what i'm hearing is that it's the perfect device for the pandemic Mm. (laughs) because you're not needing to carry it in your pocket because you're not going anywhere (laughs) apple are you listening we have a marketing angle for you (laughs) for the perfect device for the pandemic for those who didn't lose their job no just kidding (laughs) i know seriously yeah Um, but i do think uh, i was gonna say i do think that like for if you're watching videos on it like that the network bigger display is great well i also because we hear a lot from our users so i want to talk about the bigger screen if you're somebody whose eyesight isn't great mm-hmm. uh it makes a really big difference um so i i do think that's a use case i often see people who are seniors who have their font size turned up a lot really enjoy the bigger screen for that reason because they can still if you turn your font size up so you can read it better it doesn't make it so you have this tiny little sliver to read Mm -hmm. um so i think for accessibility purposes for ease of use and reading uh, mobility purposes even like it's just an an easier device to use if if you either have mobility issues if you have eyesight issues um or if you like watching Monday Night Football in bed no (laughs) (laughs) yeah no that's a good point I think for people again similarly to if you had the iPhone 11 Pro if you have the iPhone 11 Pro Max you probably don't need to get the iPhone 12 Pro Max again if unless you live in a big city and are wanting to take advantage of 5G um, but yeah, it might, like I also think if it's your first time wanting to try out a bigger screen, it's a nice time to do it because it's got the flat edges. And so it's really making use of that, of all of that real estate um, without being unnecessarily bigger. 
Yeah, I also think similar to the Mini, it's kind of on the other side of the spectrum. It doesn't need as much pros and cons analysis because you sort of know who you are. Like if mm-hmm. you are buying the Max, you don't care about price clearly uh, and you really value large screens and that's sort of just a very specific person. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't think I need to tell you if you're that person. I think everyone sort of knows. <laughs> yes, that's a good point. Yeah, so our second question of the day is, which iPhone 12 series are you planning on upgrading to or or are you not planning to upgrade and why? Email podcast at iphonelife.com to let us know. And Donna, we'll answer this question right here now. You're you're on the iPhone 12 Pro bandwagon, yes? I am. Yeah, I think I am and too. I, and I think I'm going to get it in the, but we didn't mention that there's a new color option as well for the the high-end ones. They don't have all those other colors we talked about, but they have a, what was the name of the blue? Pacific Sapphire? blue. Pacific blue. Yes, Pacific, blue, Pacific from really California. Pretty. I don't know if you know this or not, but <laughs> iPhones are made in California. <laughs> yeah, so I might have to just do that so that everyone just so I can show off. Yeah, it's definitely like signaling. You're like, hey, look, it's a new phone. It's a new color. You haven't seen it before. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But I'm, no, I'm making fun of you, but I will 100% get the blue. You will? Because it's, wow. yeah. I think I think the Pacific blue actually looked really nice, but also it's like fun. I've had the other colors. I've never owned it. So I yeah, think it's fun. I got fun. the green and one last year, which is funny because you can't even see. Like, no one can tell. I know. I would love... I, for I went years being caseless, and I would love to get back to it. We'll see if I am brave enough. I broke my phone one too many times, and I just couldn't deal anymore. Um, but I, I think I'm coming around. I think I'm going to land on the Pro, but not the Pro Max. But I am tempted by the Max. So real quick, before we let everyone go, um, let's talk about what wasn't announced today. Mm, yeah. And any other parting thoughts we might have? So the big devices that we were expecting to see today was a MacBook uh, uh, that has Apple's own processor, the Apple Silicon processor in it, because at the mm-hmm. September event, Apple announced that and said that um, by the end of the year, they're going to have that available. So we figured you know, now would be a good time to do it. But um, the latest rumors have said that maybe that'll be in November which I don't know whether that'll be another event or a press release. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I was skeptical that they were going to announce it this time because switching to silicon is a really big deal. Uh, Not as much for the consumer, but more for like you have to rebuild your entire operating system. Every third-party app developer has to rebuild it from the ground up. And so I think that it's a large uh, process for Apple to go through it. And so I wasn't surprised. I was actually surprised that people thought they would. Um, so I will be surprised if we see one this year. I'm guessing it'll be March. Really? But Apple promised they'd have it by the end of the year. They'd have something okay. by the end of the year. Um, but they, you know, they've, they've said that before and then you not done it. So it yeah. could be. But yeah, um, the like Bloomberg report later said it'll be sometime November. But first they said beginning of November. And now they said like sometime in November. So yeah, you're right. It could end up being next year and that it would be a notebook. It wouldn't be a Mac. And then the other thing is uh, these stinking AirPods or AirTags, sorry. And the, uh, the AirPod Studio. Yeah. I, we've been hearing rumors of those, both those products for what, like two, three years now. 
I know, especially the air tags. It's kind of irritating because I think none of us are that excited about them, but they like won't go away from the rumor mill. <laughs> yeah, I ha- we have to talk about them so much. And if, if they were ever just announced, it would be like the HomePod where we talk about like once a year. <laughs> I know. Yeah, so these are like the Bluetooth enabled trackers that you could place on your keys or your wallet and be able to keep track of where they are on your phone and yeah. ping them. Um, and I yeah. think it is a useful, nice thing to have but it's somewhat limited because um, it has to be within Bluetooth range to work. So it's not going to be able to track it down anywhere, right? Yeah. Um, well, and the other reason why I'm so skeptical of it is it it strikes me as being a carbon copy of a product that already exists, which is Tile. So I'm like, yeah. how excited should I be by the fact that Apple's copying a product that I could go buy today that's a perfectly good product? I know. I mean, I kind of like that it would be all tracked through the Find My app. Like, it's the integration's nice. Apple always does well yeah but besides that yeah not that exciting and then the AirPod studio I mean I wasn't about to go buy them because I think they're supposed to be like $350 according to rumor Mm -hmm. and they're nice high-end over-ear headphones Um, but they sound like they'd be nice I mean I was intrigued by them because I am someone who believes that everyone should have two sets of headphones. They should have earbuds and over-ear. Uh, and the over-ear need to be noise-canceling for travel. Um, and I love, love, love my AirPods because they're so convenient to just connect to my iPhone or any Apple device in a way that no other product has been for me. They're just like instant. They somehow just nailed it in terms of convenience and use. So in that sense, if Apple came out with a pair of premium head over ear headphones that had noise cancellation that was competitive with Bose and Sony um I'd be pretty intrigued by it uh and I there's no reason to think that it wouldn't have nice sound quality because they own Beats by Dre they know how to make audio so I was intrigued by it um we'll have to wait and see that might be another one that we get that feels like such a holiday gift that we might get a press release in November I know. I wonder. That was like the John Prosser who his his leaks lately have been pretty accurate. It says it'll be an October or November press release. So we'll see. Okay. There you go. Yeah. So two questions of the week. Number one, are you getting the AirPod? Why or why not? Sorry. HomePod. HomePod. Are you getting HomePod the Mini. HomePod Mini? Why or why not? And which iPhone are you getting? Or are you not getting any? Why or why not? And we'd love to hear from you all. We should just start making up products. Be like, are you getting the (laughs) whatever? AirPod Max (laughs) Studio Pro. (laughs) People would be like, what? I missed that at the announcement. All right. right, See you guys all in two weeks. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Yeah. Bye. Bye.